Hello, I'm Dorian Linsky. And I'm Ian Dunn. We're here to tell you about a brand new podcast that we're making with the producers of Oh God, What Now? and The Bunker. It's called Origin Story, and it's out every Monday. Each week, we're going to be exploring the hidden roots of some of the most used, abused, and misunderstood ideas in politics. From conspiracy theory to woke to centrism, we're going to look into the secret history of these concepts and explain why it matters when people get them wrong. The first edition is about McCarthyism, and it's out right now. You can find it in your favourite podcast app. Just search Origin Story. To whet your appetite, here's a taster of episode one, McCarthyism. Ian, why have we decided to not just talk about McCarthyism, but to start with McCarthyism? What is it about the way that word is being used? I see it misused on right and left in roughly equal capacity on pretty much a weekly basis. We're going to have some, we're going to pick some words for this series that it's like a daily, hourly basis. It's, it's not quite that bad. But, but McCarthyism, I'd say, is probably misused on a weekly basis. The most obvious examples right now, I mean, I saw another, do you, do you know Alex Jones, that lunatic yeah. conspiracy theorist yeah. in the US? I mean, his response to being called in front of uh, the January 6th committee was instantly to go there. I mean, he said, it's a witch hunt, which has lied about myself. It's a criminal subpoena. This is something that Joseph McCarthy did to a lot of people in America, although he added the essential ending to that. And it turned out some of the people he was targeting are actually guilty. <laughs> it's like, oh, well done. You even got that one wrong, Alex. Congratulations. Because yeah, I see it, for example, I see it um, in um, members of the Labour Party who have been accused of anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. They complain about McCarthyism. People being called up to January 6th committee. Um, any you know, conservatives and further to the right than that um, who get um, any pushback at all, mm. any kind of consequences, you know, Twitter suspension or something. And the word just seems to mean um, it's synonymous with witch hunt. And, of course, in the classic sort of allegory for McCarthyism, Arthur Miller's The Crucible, you know, maybe he is, he is sort of largely responsible for the, the conflation of the two. Mm. Um and witch hunts are kind of an odd one, of course, because witches didn't exist. So as soon as you say it's a witch hunt, it's just like, well, it, 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 I must be completely innocent. And that does underlie a lot of these complaints about McCarthy. Everyone knows McCarthyism was bad, even if they didn't know exactly what it was. Um, and it's always used to be like, I am being unfairly persecuted, even when, as is quite often the case, well, they do, they do have a case to answer. Like, it's not... Being accused of something is not McCarthyism because you might have done it. And, and as we'll discuss, there are all kinds of other components to McCarthyism, to what uh, Joe McCarthy did and what his contemporaries did, which are quite specific and very pernicious. And I think it's important to restore a sort of sense of seriousness and gravity to the word. So you're not just complaining that, you know, everyone who doesn't like you is a McCarthyite. So if we're going to be discussing what a word means, we should first consult the highest authority, the Oxford English Dictionary. (laughs) So, McCarthyism, from the name of Joseph R. McCarthy, 1908-57, US Senator. The policy of hunting out, open brackets, suspected, close brackets, communists, (laughs) and removing them from government departments or other positions, hence McCarthyist, of or pertaining to McCarthyism, and McCarthyite, one who gave support to such a policy. Uh, first citation, the New York Post, 5th of April 1950, to call McCarthyism a fascist atmosphere would be descriptive enough. 
Ian, first thoughts on this definition? Don't like that at all. (laughs) That seems to me to completely take on board his narrative, which was that that was what he was doing. I mean, firstly, I think he he ultimately had very little interest in communist spies. Secondly, most of the stuff he ended up going for were... I mean, the first victims were people who were communists in some way or had been at some time. But ultimately, sort of the real... The victims of, of this thing were the people who sort of always become the victims of witch hunts at moments of national paranoia. It's gay people, it's Jewish people, it's free thinkers, eccentrics, progressives, liberals. I mean, really, ultimately, when you're going through the story, there's actually, you come across actually quite few communists and certainly almost no communist spies whatsoever once you get to actually what McCarthy's doing. Yeah, I mean, the way that it puts suspected in brackets Mm. is the sort of bet hedging which I do not expect from the OED. Whether or not they were actually communists seems quite important, let alone what kind of communists they were. And I should actually mention the first citation here, given by the OED, is only two months after McCarthy appeared on the scene, which is uh, pretty quick to become a uh, an ism. But there is actually a previous reference in a Washington Post cartoon, which I think emerged after whenever this edition of the dictionary was, um, which is a week earlier. Hmm. So that's even faster. And I'm going to throw in a definition. I want to run this one by you. This is by Ted Morgan, author of Reds, McCarthyism in 20th Century America. The use of false information in the irrational pursuit of a fictitious enemy. I mean, that's quite good on the method. I mean, presumably some of the information was was accurate, which creates a problem for the definition. And there were some instances of communist spies, most of which have been dealt with before he came up. As we were doing this reading, the, the main thought I had was more that this is thought control. Ultimately, the aim... And the effect is thought control. And that's, so it seems to me that even that is almost in its own weird way mm. a bit too generous and a bit too sort of literal for the process that actually took place. Well, this is about McCarthyism, uh, not just Joe McCarthy. But Ian, start us off with who he was and how he became famous in early 1950. The funny thing is he's not actually a very interesting bloke. And I think that that's pivotal actually, to what follows. Because it's quite easy to just demonise him into this monstrous entity. In fact, he's pretty average. He's not that remarkable. And what I think what there is to learn about what happened in that period is more about our own propensity to seek internal enemies at perceived moments of national weakness. So in fact, it's one of those things that tells you more about yourself and about the public Mm. and our psychology than I think it really does about himself. He's born in um, Wisconsin in 1908. He leaves school at 15. He briefly, for about five years, runs a very, very successful chicken farm, which eventually falls apart after this the, the sort of um, intestinal disease. Goes back to school, goes to university. He's, there's nothing particularly special about him during this period. He's not particularly smart. He's not particularly stupid. There's one telling instant when he runs for class president against a guy called Charles Curran. And they come up with this sort of gentleman's agreement where they say, oh, look, we're both going to vote for each other and otherwise we're going to have the fight. They get and it's a dead heat and they sort of offer, oh, you can flick a coin if you want. And McCarthy's like, no, 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 let's have a runoff. And he ends up winning that contest by two votes, one of which is his and the other one is his rivals. Yeah. And the story usually kind of ends there because it's a sort of moment of, oh, look, he'll just do whatever it takes. But there's a little tidbit afterwards that I found quite revealing, which is that um, Curran and he stayed friends for the rest of their lives. And actually, the, the comment that you hear over and over about McCarthy is it was never personal. Now, in the same period, you hear from sort of Harvard physicist Norman Ramsey, 
who was defending one of his colleagues, and then at the same time went for dinner with McCarthy and his wife. He said, McCarthy, as I learned in this and subsequent encounters, was a man of extremely variable personality. He could be good old Joe, or he could be the very nasty and cruel operator of an inquisition. It was not really correct to describe him as immoral. It's a word that had no meaning to him. The word amoral was really more appropriate. And this sort of explains his uh, his freewheeling approach to uh, the facts, <laughs> um, which often, you know, stems from immorality and his war record. I'm sure you came across, across this, is that he started off by claiming he'd flown 14 bombing missions. Then that got up to 17. By 1951, it was 32. <laughs> um, in reality, it was 12. Mm-hmm. And he had a limp, which he claimed was due to shrapnel incurred defending his country. But in fact, he fell down the stairs on the ship. Yeah, well, that was a hazing <laughs> ritual, wasn't it? They put buckets on their feet, I think, and made them walk down a ladder. And he absolutely ruined his foot. <laughs> and his stories for this foot, by the way, they're very... I mean, at one point, he claims that he was saving a pregnant woman from a submarine. <laughs> Another point, it's that this airplane crashes. He comes up with this wow. variety of yeah, very yeah. heroic instances. In fact, you know, he was basically drunk and he had a nightmarish time. Um, all of that, funnily enough, conceals the fact that he was actually quite brave when he was in the military. He didn't have to go on these missions. He was a commission officer. He basically didn't have to go on a submarine. He didn't have to go on a plane. He chose to do it. Most of the stuff from the time is saying, you know, good soldier, he's quite brave. Mm. And in fact, because of this inveterate lying, I mean, just the, the lies start from a very young age and they pursue all the way up until his death. He lies about everything all the time. We're going to have anyone listening to this is obviously going to be thinking about Trump throughout this discussion. Mm. And by the way, I have to tell you that at the end, there's a sting in the tail that makes this I mean, in a way, by the way, I think this story is almost the origin story of Trump and not just in a sort of broad thematic way, but in a very practical, precise way. This is the origin story of Trump. That's a taster of Origin Story, episode one, McCarthyism. You can get the full thing right now on your favourite podcast app. And if you want to get all six episodes right now, ad free and ahead of release, you can back us on the crowdfunding platform Patreon. You'll get lots of exciting extra content, and you'll be helping Dorian and me to research future episodes. You can even suggest topics and ideas that we should explore. That's Origin Story with me and Ian from the producers of Oh God, What Now? and The Bunker. Available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 